Kia ora katoa, ko Neil Ballantyne toko ingoa. I'm Neil Ballantyne from the Open Polytechnic, and you're listening to a podcast by the Reimagining Social Work Collective. Today I'm talking to Liz Beddo, Professor in Social Work from the University of Auckland. We're going to be talking about the topic of reproductive justice and the implications of the recent decision by the US Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade, of course, is the famous 1973 court ruling that legalised abortion across the USA. Kia ora, Liz. Kia ora, Neil. Liz, before we get into the detail of uh, Roe versus Wade, I guess most social workers would agree that social justice is an important social work issue. But what do we mean by re- reproductive justice? And why should social workers be concerned about it? I think reproductive justice is really essential to, to social justice. It's part of social justice. It's also part of human rights. You know, reproductive um, issues, reproductive health care is so part, strongly part of being human. We all, we all um, have have you know reproductive issues that pop up in our lives. We're we're human. We have, um, you know, we have to deal with with aspects of sexuality, sexual health, sexual identity, health care. You know, um, pregnancy and birth fertility in general like these are all really fundamental issues of, of being human um, and in many ways social inequalities health inequalities play out in the sphere in particular ways that um, that social workers should be concerned about it's not an aspect of healthcare that's peripheral it should be central when we're thinking about um, you know really good quality health care and reducing health inequalities. And so the, the original Roe versus Wade decision made back in 1973 was a significant moment in the, the demand for reproductive rights from the women's movement in the USA. Could you tell us a little bit about the, the importance of the original Roe versus Wade decision? Yeah, I think Roe, Roe versus Wade is often sort of given the credit for sort of legalising abortion um, and making it um, reasonably easily available across the US. The, the essence of the ruling, though, was that actually... It, ruled that the decisions about pregnancy um, were covered by the right to privacy. And so, in a sense, it instilled an idea that that, that um, women and pregnant people should have the right to make those very personal decisions about their body. Um, what it did, so it extended that, that right of privacy and decision-making. Um, it acknowledged, the actual ruling acknowledged the, the huge impact of um, forced pregnancy, uh, and that was really important. What it did do, though, was it balanced the rights of pregnant pregnant people um, with the rights of states to put in some uh, limits. So, for example, it kind of talked about uh, different levels of access and different reasons that that could be used to justify abortion. Uh, depending on the, the duration of the pregnancy. So some of that was kind of part of it. Um, but it did leave states um, able to have abortion services, but to create some kind of uh, restrictions and limits. And so that's why even before this was overturned, states were uh, attempting to roll, roll back um, abortion rights and access. Um, and it didn't stop... Um, the US government, for example, from in, insisting that international aid uh, 
um, be linked to um, not providing abortion services. So the global gag rule, for example, was it was legal for the US to insist that other countries um, not have uh, use American aid funds for abortion. Thanks, Liz. I mean, so it, it was essentially about a woman, the recognition of uh, a woman's uh, right to choose, right to choose and, and her yep. autonomy. Um, yep. So, the, so the recent decision, though, I mean, it's created widespread alarm in the USA and and across the world. Um, why is that so significant? This sudden reversal of Roe versus Wade. I think it's a, there's a couple of things. So it, it kind of overturns that basic principle that was linked to the right to privacy. So that's really important because the, the removal of the link to the right to privacy means that states can set up these really draconian systems of essentially surveillance of um, of women and girls. Um, it's it, 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 it institutes a kind of surveillance state over women's bodies that doesn't increase it doesn't apply in to other aspects of health care so one of the things that people have been really concerned about in the u.s is the so-called trigger laws where many of the very um, states that are quite dominated by right-wing fundamentalists anti-abortion anti-feminist views um, had these laws ready to roll if Roe was overturned because they wouldn't have been able to, to instigate them under Roe, but they can. And so that includes things like um, closing abortion clinics, banning um, certain kinds of access to services. It, it means that they're able to police people going over state lines, to interrogate people coming back over state lines. So in some states, if you're, if you're a, young, a young woman, um, you you are likely to be questioned. You could be questioned by people coming over state lines in a way that is just incredibly intrusive and quite violent, to be honest. Um, it's a violent incursion into into people's autonomy and privacy over such a very personal matter. So the the fear is that I think at the political level, one of the reasons why we're concerned about row around the world is because it, it empowers those kinds of attitudes. It legitimises the very worst um, states' um, you know, attitudes towards abortion, contraception, but, but also many other things, because it, it's many people are concerned that this is the, the thin end of the wedge, you know, that also uh, the same kind of forces are looking at the rights of gay people, looking at mar- gay marriage, looking at the rights for people um, who are questioning their sexual identity, their gender identity, the rights for those people to have services and support and to be respected and to have, you know, have full human rights. So I think it's seen as a, a very much a, a shift to the right um, that, that affects ultimately particularly abortion and contraception, but um also, you know, could extend further out into aspects of people's very personal lives. And you've you kind of begun to touch on this already, Liz, but I wanted to ask mm. you about what you thought the implication, because this is a US court decision. Mm. And some people mm. might be thinking, well, you know, it's USA, it's a crazy place. What does it, what does it have to do with us? But um, I know that many people are concerned about the impact of Roe versus Wade, the overthrow of Roe versus Wade on um, abortion rights elsewhere in the world. So I wondered what your reflections were on that and on the impact elsewhere in the world, including Aotearoa? Well, I mean, yeah, there are interesting things that that, that come up. I mean, for example, there are, you know, quite a few countries, 
at the same time as some countries were shifting towards liberalising their abortion laws, um, for example, New Zealand, Australia, some South American countries, there were there were countries in um, in Europe, for example, where where there are threats to abortion laws, um, Poland, for example. Um, I think there's also interesting things that I found out that I didn't know about, which is a, sort of a historical ruling around. Um, abortion in, in the UK, that, that, that means that, again, um, people can be investigated if they miscarry a pregnancy and somebody decides there's some sort of suspicion that it is possible to, to for the police to investigate. Um, uh, and again, no, men don't experience this kind of intrusion uh, into their lives. And, and the, the threat to treating um, natural miscarriages as potential illegal abortion is, is very problematic. Um, the other thing I think is that as we wrote in the, um, in our, in our blog post that we wrote, Eileen Joy and I wrote just after Roe was overturned, there are many ways that, um, anti-abortion factions can influence even legal abortion services in that blog. I haven't got time today to enumerate enumerate those, but there were a number of ways that services can be restricted. You can, you know, you can prevent full access. So for example, one of the things we've talked about for years is the is the need for better services for rural women. And this is something that happens a lot in, in, in countries like New Zealand and Australia, where you may have very small towns or rural areas that only have one GP. If that GP is anti-abortion, you, you, you know, you're not going to be able to get um, a service. You may have to travel a, a considerable amount of time to get access to a service. Now, that's really problematic in the current situation when all of our health services are very stretched. People are waiting weeks to get um, a GP appointment. You can restrict services, you can actually uh, slow processes down. So you can slow down the process of uh, new providers setting up. Um, you can uh, make, um, make it difficult, for example, for people to instigate the safe access um, rules, which means that an abortion provider can ask for uh, an, a safe access area to, to prevent harassment of people coming into a service. Um, you know, there, there's so many ways that uh, that without overturning our laws, things can be made very difficult. Um, we know, for example, that it's very complicated to access uh, free contraception. Um, you know, there are different rules in different parts of the health system. We're hoping that a unified health system um, will, will will lead to some improvements. I guess the other thing is the threat always remains, despite political assurances, that these things can be overturned. You know, we probably 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I would have thought that Roe would never be overturned. Um, but obviously the politics of the time change. We know that US anti-abortion Groups put a lot of money into campaigns in other countries. They did that in Ireland. There's there's some suggestion. Sometimes you can see the kind of material that anti-abortion groups use in other countries reflects word for word the US style, the US spelling, um, the kind of imagery and stuff like that that's used. So there are there are people who are um, willing to invest heavily in. In, in political attempts to overturn even the laws that we think 
have ensured safe access. And you think so that, it's an ongoing fight. Yeah, yeah. But you do you think that this decision may directly impact the political conversation in Aotearoa between? The, I think the, so. I think we we do know from from you know research that that generally majority population supports safe legal abortion here. Uh, there was a study that was um, that that reported on that um, over the time that we were debating the laws in New Zealand. There was a study carried out, the, the part of the New Zealand Attitudes and Values uh, survey. Um, I think it was 64% um, approved of decriminalising abortion. In the um, there was a study, a survey carried out um, a few days after Roe in the US that found that 62% of Americans surveyed disapproved of this new ruling. So we, we know that, 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 you know, it gets, you know, the support kind of support is very, um, it becomes less, there's less support when you're starting to look at later term abortions. And, you know, there's, 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 obviously emotional and social and spiritual aspects, cultural aspects to that. But overall, it seems the majority of people um, do support the right of pregnant people to make decisions about their own future. So it's a pretty constant support for, at very least, decriminalising abortion and having safe, quality, um, legal health care, which what abortion is health care. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the, the U.S. Supreme Court decision will have an impact on all women in the USA, Liz. But mm. do you think it will impact some social groups more than others? Yeah, and I just wanted to say I think that we, we in, in the activism in the sphere, we are talking about pregnant people too because we're acknowledging um, that people may um, identify in non-binary ways um, as well. So we try, we're often using the term pregnant people to be inclusive, not to invisibilise um, oppression of women, but also but just to be inclusive. Um, I think that, that we do know that services, that health inequalities in general, mean that people may have variable access to good health care. So we know that, for example, populations um, that may have multiple health challenges, people who are already living bodily with the impact of um, health disparities, may have poorer health, may have um, poorer access to health care, uh, rural women, um, inner city uh, populations that are underserved by good services. Um, yeah, so people with disabilities who may have, uh, again, poor access to health care. What we expect is that as in every aspect of human health, social inequalities have an impact. We don't all start with the same with the same um, chances, you know, some of the chances of our health, of health and well-being, are present before we're conceived. You know, we're born into families that will will be facing, an, you know, different levels of of health, of um, healthcare access, and that just continue on continues on the kind of work we do, the physical environments in which we live, the climate, the the you know exposure to. Um, health exposure to chemicals the access and availability of and affordability of good safe housing all of these things impact on our health and well-being so there's no there's no difference when it comes to reproductive health care the same old inequalities will play out but they play out 
um, in a way that is particularly damaging for people who already face multiple um, threats Thanks. to their well-being. Thank you. But turning to um, the role of social workers in, in all of this, what actions do you think social workers and, and social work educators should take to advocate for reproductive rights? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a number of things depending on, I mean, not everybody's going to be an activist in this space, but for those who do want to be um, activists, I would really recommend that in New Zealand people join join RANs, support RANs. You can make a donation or buy a T-shirt. There's lots of different ways of supporting abortion rights, um, and there was a link to that in the blog post. Um, it's really important, I think, for social workers generally to know and, and share the sort of facts about abortion. There's a lot of misinformation and disinformation that is um, spread about abortion. You know, it comes down to things like, excuse me, um, to things like talking about, you know, full-term abortions and the kind of disinformation that would include things like reference to full-term abortion or even abortion after birth, which are just ludicrous. Um, but they create um, powerful um, fear and, and you know, anger and, and you know, horror in people who, who then... Um, can can spread sort of rumours that that are that are untrue. I mean, there's also um, the uh, the issue of, of abortion stigma, and I think we social workers aren't comfortable with abortion. Um, they they are, you know, they tend to be supporting abortion stigma just through feeling like they don't want to talk about it, they don't want to address it, they don't want to deal with it. I mean, I have ethical issues with that, but it's also about you know making sure that our own views don't negatively impact on other people's right to get good quality information about decisions that will affect them. Um, supporting organisations in need that support um, people. At the moment, we don't need that so much here, um, though certainly there are services that will um, support maybe rural women to get access. That's something quite important to look at. I think at the political level, it's also really important to elect pro-choice candidates to office. Um, it's really important that we ask candidates for office about what they believe about our 2020 legislation and make sure that they are committed to accessible, equitable support for um, for abortion services that are safe. Uh, and high quality. Um, and so that's very important. I mean, we know that politically at the moment, the leader for the opposition has said he wouldn't um, seek to overturn the law. But as we've said, there are many, many ways that you can undermine abortion services. And we know that he in particular um, is, is anti-abortion. And there are many other people um, in uh, National and ACT who are anti-abortion. So we would really recommend that people check out their local candidates um, for office in the next election. In terms of educators, um, I think it's really important to promote feminist um, principles, feminist theory, feminist practice in social work. I think it's sort of slipped off the curriculum over the last 20 years. It may be that um, we've been sort of really obsessed with the sort of drive to investigate and do risk assessment. And that's put often women under scrutiny, um, particularly in the child protection area. But it infects every part of service to women 
alcohol and drug services, mental health services that see um, women, often may see women's well-being related to the, 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 the children that they care for and not seeing them um, and being very driven by risk rather than thinking holistically about how we can support women who may be facing challenges, who do care for children without take, taking kind of draconian steps to remove children. So I've, I've talked about that elsewhere as sort of moving away from seeing women as just the object of social, the object of scrutiny and judgment in the social work gaze, I'm just moving away from that. Um, I think we can advocate for our professional bodies to have strong, clear statements about reproductive justice in our policies. It's time to review national and international statements that will put, you know, reproductive justice central to dealing with health inequalities. Um, we also need to be thinking about, you know, having inclusive, um, inclusive education, inclusive workplaces for social work and contributing to, you know, challenging uh, sexist um, practices, challenging, uh, you know, people being highly judgmental, for example, about people who have an abortion. And I'm also extending that to generally to reproductive health care. It's such an area, easy area for people to slip into moralising and judgment. And I've worked in the sector and I know um, that that can happen. Um, so, yeah, that's probably that those are probably some things that we can all do and all contribute to. But I do think there is a role for social work education, getting this back on the agenda. Thanks for that, Liz. Lots and lots of things for colleagues to think about there. And, and mm. I think particularly critical reflection on our own values and stances is yeah, significant absolutely. in that space. So that's great advice. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, for people looking for more information about this topic, we've made a link available on the Reimagining Social Work blog to the recent article by Liz on reproductive justice, abortion rights and social work. I'm Neil Ballantyne and this was a podcast by the Reimagining Social Work Collective. Thanks for listening.